Welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast, presented by FlickeringMyth.com. I'm your host, Court Dunn. Join us as we talk to writers about their work, their process, and what it means to be a writer. Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Audible has over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hello and welcome to the Writer Experience Podcast. For today's episode, we thought we'd do something a little different. We've gotten a lot of requests for how to write query letters. So we've collected the best insights on the subject from our interviews with literary agents, and we've compiled them together here. We hope you'll find it informative, and we wish you the best of luck with your queries. Andrea Morrison, literary agent at Writer's House. Let's walk through the query letter process. Obviously, for a lot of the writers out there listening, that's a big part of what they want to learn about. So Mm -hmm. can you walk us on a high level what that query letter process looks like? And then we can kind of dive into those details. Sure. So, you know, I think just in terms of what people should be focusing on and creating their query letters, there's so many online resources out there. And I think what you really want to be doing is looking at everything through Google that you possibly can, first and foremost. You want to keep them short and sweet. So I would say three quarters of a page is perfect. What you want to include is why you chose to reach out to that particular agent. That personal note always stands out more. And then you want to be focusing on paragraph pitch of what your book is, and then also include a bio. So that can be, it doesn't matter if you haven't had short, uh, short stories published or, or previous books published. Really what you want to be including is any information that tells us about your writing background. So that could be any conferences you've attended. It could be any prizes you've won. It could be sort of any groups that you're a part of, like SCBWI for Children's, for example. So you just want to tell us as much information as possible about your book and about you and why you chose to reach out to that agent. Marlo Berliner, Associate Agent at the Jennifer D. Chiara Literary Agency. For the query letter, when they send it through, the actual body of the letter, is mm-hmm. there a formatting that you suggest? I think so. Uh, to me, a successful query begins with the title, uh, the age group or genre, and the word count. That's so that I know what I'm supposed to be considering. If you throw me right into characters and I don't know their age, I don't know whether I'm, you know, I represent children's fiction as well as adult fiction. So I don't know what I'm supposed to be reading if you don't tell me, you know, the age group and genre as well as the word count. So I always like a query to begin with that, kind of just the facts, ma'am. Then it's an added bonus if you can add just a line about of personalization about why you specifically queried me. For instance, if you met me at a conference or you heard me on a podcast or read an interview about me in Publishers Weekly, something like that. Something that just tells me you're not throwing spaghetti up at a wall. You've really kind of researched me a little bit. That always kind of warms my heart. From there, the query should clearly describe who the main character is, what the dilemma is that they've been thrown into, and what the stakes are. That's really the meat of the query. So be sure to show me the hook or what makes your story unique. It needs to read like the back cover of a book. 
you don't need to tell me everything that happens, but you, and you don't tell me the ending. You're basically just trying to tell me just enough to entice me to want to read your book and then end the query with a short bio that tells me about yourself, particularly your writing pursuits, publications, and any writing accolades. I don't need to know about your cat. I don't need to know about your hobbies unless they somehow are, you know, intricate to the plot of the book. Like for instance, your book is about base jumping and you're a fabulous base jumper and you've done that in real life. Then it's applicable to your story. Um, otherwise you can leave all of that out. Then of course, as far as the, you know, part of the queries, either attaching or sending the pages, I would say just, they have to be the most sparkling for me anyway, the most sparkling first 20 pages that you can send me. I need to see a well-thought-out original concept with memorable characters, a great voice, and solid, polished writing. Um, a little hint, I ask for 20 pages. I know a lot of agents ask for 5 to 10. I ask for 20 on purpose because I want to see how you've ended your first chapter, You know whether it's ended on a hook and how you've transitioned into your second chapter. And by 20 pages, usually you've had to end a chapter. So that's, I do that strategically on purpose because that's just so important to story. But basically in those pages, I'm looking for you to draw me into your story, into your world, into your character's dilemma immediately. Make those first 20 pages so great, I simply have to ask for more. And if I do, then please send me a full manuscript that has all of the above through to the very last page because just too many submissions fall apart. Erin Numata, Senior Vice President at Folio Literary Management. For nonfiction, I imagine yes. you work just as much on nonfiction as fiction, maybe? Yeah. What's the difference on the query letter for that? Because we've heard that for nonfiction, the book isn't necessarily already to the same point that a fiction book is. Well, nonfiction books are sold on proposal. It's a proposed idea of what the book is going to be you know, the chapter outlines of it, what the book is going to be, the audience, the platform, and so on and so forth, the message. Based on that, you can sell a nonfiction book to a publisher, and then they have a certain amount of time that they need to write and hand in the book. Most of them are based on platform. You have to have a rock-solid platform to get a nonfiction book done. You have to be an expert in your field or a celebrity or a very big name or have the backing of a very big company behind you to do well for the most part. That's not for everyone, but uh, the majority is that way. Andrea Morrison, literary agent at Writer's House. You mentioned Publishers Marketplace. What are the top three to five resources you would say that are integral to a writer preparing as they're going into the query letter process? Well, yeah, Publishers Marketplace is great. So you do have to subscribe. But I would say if you are going to be querying and you wanted to subscribe for a month while you're doing that, I do think that it's valuable. You know, not every deal that we make is going to be posted on there. But generally, a lot of people's deals are. And so you can get a sense of the kinds of books that they've sold before. You can also look at and you don't have to describe to see the descriptions that we post. So you can see my page just through Google. And that'll give you a sense of the kind of books that I like, that I want to read, the books that I've worked on. So that is really valuable to look at. And then the second thing would be agency websites. So it sounds simple, but there's a lot of information that's available there. There's a lot of information if you're deciding which agent at an agency to approach. Also, you'll get a sense of 
you know, some agencies, for example, at ours, if you bury somebody and then you get a pass from one agent, you can go ahead and query another agent at writer's house. Other agencies are, if you query somebody and it's a pass, it's a pass for the agency. So there are different guidelines for everybody. And you can find that on websites and, and just sort of going through in depth is very, very helpful. And then the third thing I would say is looking at acknowledgement sections in books that feel like they're in the same family as your own. So that's a really good way to see who people are thinking, who the agents are. Are there certain repeat names that you're seeing? That's very valuable as well. And then another resource would be, like, again, looking at author interviews from authors that you love and that feel like, you know, your book is in the family as the, as the same family as theirs and looking at their experiences with their agents, their experiences going into submissions and all of that. So that would be another thing. And then I would say for the fifth, if there's anybody that you've met at a reading, at a conference, in a writer's group, so any kind of like personal connection that you have to somebody, or if you have other authors who are friends and can talk to them about their experiences, that's really helpful too. And if that doesn't apply to you and you don't have friends who are, who are published authors or who have agents, that's totally okay. And going back to those first four areas is completely fine. Kate Hart, literary agent at Harvey Klinger Literary Agency. Is there a secret to writing a query letter? What are things writers do right? What are things writers do wrong? Sure. So I think there is a formula for a great query letter. It tends to be you want to uh, tell us about your character, who your main character is. You want to introduce just a bit of their ordinary world, which is what starts the story, and a little bit of their characteristics. Then we want to get information about those main plot points. So what are those major conflicts? And then the stake. And to me, I think that that really sums up just, it seems small, but it's about two or three paragraphs about your story. And I can usually tell when I get an author with a query, and that's sort of the formula. Um, And then what makes it stand out are going to be like some keywords that really... Uh, express the theme of their story. And to me, those are the best queries. You know, you kind of look at them and you can tell. <laughs> and and generally that story is going to fall in line with that query. As far as what's probably not the best thing is I don't need as an, when I'm reading a query to know the major themes that are going to be hit on. I don't need to know a whole page about the author. A few things, if you are published before, what those were. It's nice to know a background if um, it's going to inform why an author is writing the story or have the proposal for a nonfiction project that they have, but it's not the most important. The story itself and what you're going to be expressing is most important to me. Andrea Morrison, literary agent at Writer's House. Is there one secret to writing a good query letter? Is there one thing you'd suggest? that writers do right? And then is there one thing that maybe writers should not do when they query? Yeah, I mean, there's not one way to format it. There's not kind of one secret. I would just say you just want to be straightforward. And as long as you include all that information, I think that's perfect. So in terms of something that you shouldn't do, I think sometimes people try to get a little bit too creative in order to make their query letters stand out. So for example, sometimes people will try to write from the perspective of a character in their book. 
but that's really not necessary. What we just want to know is who you, the author, are and what your book is about. So I think the trick is there's no need to sort of go above and beyond to be extra creative, thinking that it'll make it stand out more than the other queries in our inbox. I think most of us really try to read the queries in our inbox. We're, of course, busy. Sometimes we're behind. But we need authors. So ultimately, we need you. And we we definitely are trying to look for projects. And so I think that sometimes less is more. Marlo Berliner, associate agent at the Jennifer D. Chiara Literary Agency. As far as the query letter itself, you know, you summarized it and gave kind of tips on how to write it. But is there a secret to it? Is there a thing that writers do right? Is there a thing that writers do wrong? Well, definitely, if a writer is able to show me a tight, well-written blurb, oftentimes that does make me, you know, stand up and pay attention. That would be probably secret number one. And secret number two is just those strong pages. It really is. It's the pages that I'm going to decide on. You know, the truth of the matter is great story ideas or premises are a dime a dozen. It's the execution of that story idea that matters. And that's what I'm looking for in the pages is great execution. I think what many writers do wrong in their queries is sending off a query for a book way too soon before the book is really ready and just simply not learning enough about their craft and also possibly not knowing what books are selling in their genre today. I get a lot of queries from people who are trying to write young adult, but the only young adult books they're familiar with are books that maybe were out 15, 20 or more years ago. And they're writing in that style, that kind of voice. That's just not going to fly today. So you have to know what's in the market in your genre today. What do those books sound like? What do they look like? How are they structured? That will get you a lot farther. And then, like I said, simply knowing craft, because I see so many queries that I'm actually crushed because the premise is fantastic, but then the pages just don't hold up. That does neither one of us any good. Erin Numata, Senior Vice President at Folio Literary Management. Is there a suggested formatting for a query letter? Is there a secret to how everything should be laid out? No, I don't think so. I mean, I get queries from all kinds. I get them like an old-fashioned letter with you know their address and their <laughs> and subject line and all the rest of that. You know, I don't need that to stand out because I do get a lot of submissions to stand out know something about either Folio or one of my clients that you can point out to me. A lot of people say, I read in your profile that you like historical fiction. So I think that you'll like mine. I'm like, this person has done their homework. That's terrific. I don't like it when I get a blanket email that's sent to every single person at Folio and every single person at every other agency. There's about 200 people on the email. There was one that was just going around a little while ago where it was a man who was quite arrogant in his email. I just deleted it as most people did. You know, you can't just throw everything at the wall and expect something to stick. It needs to be a little bit personal so that it shows you've done your homework. I think that's that's the best thing. Just tell people what your book is. You don't have to wax on and on. I have people who tell me that, you know, my mother read this book and so did my best friend. They think it's the greatest thing they've ever read, which I'm sure is true, but I don't need to know that. I just need the facts in the query letter. 
Andrea Morrison, literary agent at Writer's House. There are some times I imagine that a query letter really wows you. Mm -hmm. Is there one correlation between those type of letters that you think elicits that response? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think that it's when all of those items that I mentioned previously are really thought well thought out and done super well. So when we've got that personal note, I think a really great way to figure out how to write, you know, your short pitch of your book is to read a lot of jacket copy on published books. So I think just going through how flap copy is written, how it sounds, and then trying to do that for your book, it's just the perfect practice for how how to compose that small paragraph that you're going to be sending to us. So I think practice doing that. And then and then beyond the bio, one thing I didn't mention earlier that I should say too is there's always the question of comp titles. So if possible, if you can think of two other books that have been successful, that were well-known, that feel like a great comparison to yours, if you can add those in, that's great. Because when we hear the right comp titles, we think, ooh, this sounds great. Having said that, it's better to have no comp titles than to have the wrong comp titles. Because if I start to read sample pages, and I've just heard that comp titles are X and Y, but the book doesn't feel like that at all, then that's going to stand out. And the other thing is you don't want to use comp titles. Like, for example, you don't want to use Harry Potter or Twilight, because those are so huge that they're just unless the book really is the next Harry Potter, it's just a little much. But you want to pick books that were successful, that are recognizable, but that really feel true to your own. But a lot of people do ask, you know, I can't find the right comp titles. And again, if they're not coming to you, if they are great, but if they're not, it's not the end of the world. It's better to kind of not include them. Erin Numata, Senior Vice President at Folio Literary Management. Sometimes there'll be moments where you read a query, and I assume every once in a while a lightning bolt will kind of go off, and you'll say, "Wow, this is amazing! I definitely want to, you know, move forward with this or explore this more." What do you think the secrets are to those type of ideas? Is it just a really good idea? Is it the way that it's worded? Well, it has to be two things. You can have an absolutely terrific idea for a book, and you've absolutely crushed the synopsis. And I'm like, wow, this is right up my alley. It speaks to everything that I absolutely love. And then I start to read it and the writing is terrible. That's why most editors ask for a synopsis and the first three chapters or 25 pages or whatever it is. They want to see if you can tell a story and then if you can execute it well. If those two things are in place and I'm overexcited about it, it's because I'm reading it. and I'm like, I know that this editor at this house is going to love it. This is absolutely perfect. This editor over here. I'm already building my submission list in my head while absolutely devouring the book. That's when I know I've got a winner. And that's what I say to my readers. I want something that is so good, you get excited, you can't put it down, you forget to eat lunch, you don't want to leave the office because you're still reading, or you stay up until three o'clock in the morning to finish it. That's how excited I want people to be when they're reading something for me. We have a lot of writers on this podcast. Do you like what writers write? Do you like free stuff? Well, Audible is offering a free audiobook download for listeners of the Writer Experience Podcast with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I recently downloaded James Joyce's Ulysses for my commutes into the city, while our producer Harry, who may or may not exist, has been enjoying J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit. To download your free audiobook today, 
go to audibletrial.com slash writer experience. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash writer experience for your free audiobook. What's your favorite film of all time? It might be a sophisticated classic, a childhood favorite, or an enjoyable pile of trash you just can't help but watch over and over again. The Pick of the Flicks podcast, hosted by me, Tom Beasley, is all about celebrating people's favorite movies in whatever form they take. Each week, I interview a different guest about their chosen favorite, whether I agree with their choice or think they're as mad as one of Tom Hardy's accents. So tune in to Pick of the Flicks every week on the Flickering Myth Podcast Network and subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Maybe your favorite film will be next. Hi, I'm George. And I'm Sam. And we're from the That's a Classic podcast on the Flickering Myth Network. We both bring three films each from a certain genre and we battle it out to find out which is the ultimate classic. So you can listen to us on Flickr and Myth, iTunes or Spotify. Check out what classic we choose every week. Kate Hart, literary agent at Harvey Klinger Literary Agency. Is there such a thing as it being too personalized to you or not personalized enough as opposed to it maybe being more of a generic to dear agent kind of letter? I definitely think a dear agent uh, <laughs> to general is probably show someone who didn't do any homework. As far as too personalized, I have received some that have been just a little too personalized and it, and it feels, it could feel a little awkward. If you were to mention maybe an author that I represented and you had the same genre and it was very brief, it was just like, I saw you represent this. And so I have something that fits in that genre that you may like. To me, that's, I think, all you need when you start getting into, I know you went, graduated from this <laughs> school and, and they're like in Hawaii. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Never been to UTK. That's a little bit too personal to me. And it doesn't connect to anything in the story or what I represent. So I think there is a fine line and you can see where it's goes overboard or where someone you know just didn't put in any effort and if you can find just that right in between but i think that's good andrea morrison literary agent at writer's house can a query letter be too personalized where do you draw the line from a writer's perspective as far as looking into you finding out what you're looking for but also maybe not being creepy yeah yeah it could be too personalized (laughs) i think that's the key um if you are starting to look at people's personal pictures that you found online <laughs> and commenting on those, that's too far. Really, when we say personalized query letters, what we mean is, let's say, you know, if you do a quick Google of Andrea Morrison at Writer's House and you're reading uh, an interview that I did, and you reference, you know, you said in this interview with Slice Magazine a couple of years ago, XYZ, and that, that really stood out to me. And I feel like you would be a great match for my book. So something like that is great. Something that shows that you did your research. Or I noticed on your publisher's marketplace profile, blank. So that is perfect. And it shows that you looked at the other agents at our agency or looked at other agents elsewhere and made a decision about who you wanted to query and why. That's what we're looking for. But anything that gets like too personal and that you'd really have to hunt to find is is too much. <laughs> Marlo Berliner, associate agent at the Jennifer Di Chiara Literary Agency. You mentioned that you like when a writer puts a little personalization into the letter so that it's about why they reached out to you. Is there such a thing as making that letter too personalized? 
Not really. I mean, luckily, I haven't <laughs> had anything that seemed real stalkerish. I know some of my colleagues have. But if you mention that you know my son goes to Penn State, or you mention that you know I have a son that goes to Rutgers, I know I've mentioned those things on Twitter. It's going to kind of give me a little chuckle, but it's not going to sway me one way or the other whether I request your full. So it, it doesn't really help you. Maybe I think it's cute. Maybe it gives me an idea that you're per, a personable type and a nice person, but ultimately that type of personalization won't help you. Show me that you've done your homework and, you know, like I said, listen to a podcast about me or read an interview about me, something like that holds more weight. Erin Numata, Senior Vice President at Folio Literary Management. You mentioned that it's good when people personalize query letters, but can a query letter yes. be too personalized? Have you found that sometimes people might do a little too much research and then cater it to you and talk about, you know, your favorite foods or things like that? If they knew what my favorite foods <laughs> was, that would be absolutely shocking. I might call the police. I don't even know what my favorite foods are. So, um, that would be a bit much. But right. there's one thing that some people do and... I can always tell when somebody's queried me if I haven't even looked into my query inbox yet because they're asking to follow me on Instagram. They're now following me on Twitter. They're trying to follow me on Tumblr and Facebook and everything else. If I suddenly get somebody who's trying to follow everything, I'm like, this person has just discovered me. They've submitted to me and they want to be my best friend right off the bat. And I don't accept anything until it's been read and decided if I'm going to take them on or not. Because I don't like to give false hope. Of course. If that makes sense. Yeah. So I wouldn't stalk the agent or the editor at all or email too often. Somebody will send something and three days later say, I haven't heard from you. Can you let me know if you get this? I can't do that with everybody. I have a six-week turnaround in place. If you haven't heard from me in six weeks, you can respond again. Kate Hart, literary agent at Harvey Klinger Literary Agency. Are there other qualities about an author who is hoping to work with you that you take into consideration based on, you know, maybe their social media presence, what they've done before, their accolades, that kind of thing? For fiction, social media presence isn't as big of a necessity as, say, nonfiction, where that might be part of the platform for what they're writing. And I deal more with fiction, so I... I do look at social media. It's nice to have it. And it's good to have a foothold, to have a start, because once you have a book deal, you are going to need to make those connections. You are going to need to be able to network with other authors. And because I firmly believe that books are sold by word of mouth. And the way that sort of spreads is having a network to start with. But it's not necessary to have at the querying process. It's just, or to be super active. If someone has, you know, three or 4,000 followers, it doesn't, it's not going to weigh into the query. I'm going to look at the story. And a good story is a good story. And that's what's going to sell, and, and I believe. Andrea Morrison, literary agent at Writer's House. Obviously, writers write query letters to you. Do you ever approach authors maybe that you're interested in that have maybe books that people are talking about? I do. So sometimes that'll be, you know, most often I think because I'll read short stories on different platforms online or in journals. Sometimes it'll be through Twitter. Like these days, there's so many great 
uh, pitch events, which are really wonderful for bringing authors and agents together. I think that's, that's really fantastic. And then sometimes I'll read an article that really stands out and feel like there's a book there. And maybe it's something that someone started to write and maybe it's not. Maybe it's an idea and they're thinking about writing something in the future. So yeah, we approach authors in, in all sorts of different situations. And, and then some projects have come through queries or referrals as well. Erin Numata, Senior Vice President at Folio Literary Management. What are the factors mm-hmm. that play into why you would want to work with an author and go after them yourself? Are there a particular, maybe they had a success with another book that has hype, maybe something about them as a person? Well, the first person I ever approached, and that was about 13 years ago, was a woman who had a grammar column in a now defunct Microsoft page. I can't remember what it was called, but her name is Martha Brockenbro. And uh, she's a fantastic writer. And I went after her because I loved her column. I was like, yeah, I think you're terrific. You're wonderful. Do you want to do a book? And she said, sure. So I sold her book, which it's still in print, things that make me sick, S-I-C in brackets, you know, like, and it was all about grammar and so on and so forth. And the book did well and all the rest of it. And she's written a couple of other books for me. I represent the Discovery Channel. She wrote Shark Week and she wrote Finding Bigfoot for me. But she writes children's books and is a huge success on her own. I don't represent her for her children's books. She is a different agent for that. But I went after her and that was so successful that I have chased other authors to bring into the fold. Another one is a woman named Charlotte Cho. She owns Soko Glam. She was one of the first people to bring Korean skincare products to the U.S., and has made a huge success. And we did a book called Little Book of Skincare that's been out for about four years now and has done quite well. I went after her to get that book. You know, it's just something that appeals to me, like grammar or skincare. And I see the person, I realize they don't have a book after doing research, and I just chase after them to go and sign them up. Kate Hart, literary agent at Harvey Klinger Literary Agency. When you find a query letter that you're like, you know what, I like this, I want to explore you know, working with this author a little bit more, what are the next steps? I imagine they would send you a manuscript. How far along should that manuscript be in its development as far as before it gets to you? With fiction, it should be complete and it should be as polished and ready to send to an editor as possibly as it can, because it is a, it is a very competitive uh, market. So the best that it can be is going to only help an author. For nonfiction, you want a complete and polished proposal and maybe a sample chapter to, or three. For graphic novels, because uh, I do represent those, and it's a little bit of a sort of in-between world, a script. You want to have your script ready and polished, at least up to, I believe, the first couple of chapters of that graphic novel. And then a a really well-polished synopsis proposal for your graphic novel. If you have an illustrator, you want to have several panels that are ready to go um, and polished. And then some slides that show the development. Andrea Morrison, literary agent at Writer's House. At what stage should a manuscript be at when a writer is ready to write a query letter to you? So you know when you're ready to query because you don't know what else to do with the manuscript on your own and you're ready for feedback from somebody else. So I think if you know that more work needs to be done and you can identify what those edits are, 
then you should still take another pass at the manuscript before you send it to agents. If you do have a group of other writers, I think you should send it to them first and then see if everybody feels strongly that an edit needs to be made, you know, then you should think about taking another pass at it. But if you feel like, you know, I've, I've shared this with readers, I've worked on this for a long time. I don't know what else to do myself. I feel like this is in really good shape and I need other eyes on it. That's when you know you're ready. Marlo Berliner, associate agent at the Jennifer D. Chiara Literary Agency. You mentioned that if you like a query letter, you will then request 20 pages. But as far as the manuscript itself, before a writer submits it, how close to being completely finished should that manuscript be before they even contact you? I feel like it should be as great as they can make it, almost 100%, that they truly feel it's as good as and perfect as any book they could find on the shelf at Barnes & Noble. The bar is just very, very high. You know, I mentioned how many queries I'm getting a day. That number just keeps going up. So you need to have put that book through the paces with multiple beta readers, critique partners, multiple revisions. The key to a great manuscript is revise, 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 tighten, tighten, tighten. Because with each revision pass you make, the book will get stronger and stronger and closer to being publishable. I would never recommend that a writer send out a first or even second draft. There's just no way a book is ready. It crushes me when I see someone that sends me a query and they say, you know, it's December 10th and they say, well, I just finished this book for NaNoWriMo, which takes place in November, and here they are already sending it to me. There's almost no way that that kind of lightning is going to strike and that book is going to be perfect and ready to go. So I would say, you know, have multiple people read it, not just friends and relatives at all, but skilled critique partners, other writers, other published authors, if you can, and put that book through multiple revisions until you almost can't look at it anymore. Then it might be ready for me. Erin Numata, Senior Vice President at Folio Literary Management. And at what stage should a manuscript be at before a writer says, you know what, I'm going to take this and I'm going to write a query letter and I'm going to submit it to an agent? It needs to be complete. You have to have it complete. Because if I read it and I say, this looks terrific, you know, can you send me 50 pages or 100 pages and you send in 100 pages? It's not just me reading. In fact, it has to go through two other readers before it even gets to me. And I only read the full. I have my team, my assistant gets all of the submissions. She parcels it out to readers and interns and so on and so forth to do readers' reports. And then she'll decide if they're sent to me or not. If somebody said, this is really terrific, you should get another reader on it, a second reader will read it. And they will read full manuscripts before they present them to me. So if you get accepted, uh, you know, and you've only written 100 pages, and you're like, well, I'll give it to you in a year, we will have moved past you and forgotten you by the time you're ready to send it back in. So be ready. Marlo Berliner, associate agent at the Jennifer D. Chiara Literary Agency. Are you able to say how many people you represent? And also, you know, you mentioned that you're getting a lot of query letters every day. What's the percentage of people that contact you that you actually end up wanting to work with? Okay, so I've been an agent now since November of uh, 2018. So about 10 months, and I've taken on six clients. Roughly, because I do look at these numbers, 
I request, you know, people send me their initial 20 pages and then I request their full from there. There's no intermediary step. I never ask for 50 or 100. It's always to ask for the full once your 20 pages have gotten past me. I generally ask for about 5% wind up being requested for the full. And then out of those fulls, I might take on roughly about a client a month. Kate Hart, literary agent at Harvey Klinger Literary Agency. What is one piece of advice or learning from your career working with authors that you would like to pass down if you had to choose one thing for aspiring writers? Find a good critique partner or group and treasure them like gold. Your critique group, your critique partner is your not only your sounding board for your work, and you want ones that you continue to work with because they will get to know your voice and, and your and your brand. They will know you and they will know how you how your brain operates when you put together a manuscript and be able to help, you know, keep you on track if your plot goes off in the wrong direction or the characters aren't working the way that they should. But they're also your cheerleaders when you're you know, in a low spot or something didn't go the way you had hoped and sort of just your sounding board for everything. It's supposed to kind of airing dirty laundry on social media, which happens. Um, your critique group and your critique partner, that's, that's your sounding board so that everything, you know, you can keep more of a professional on the, in the social media in the fake, you know, out facing world, but you have someone that you could pour your grievances into or listen when you need that. So that's my advice. Have a great, and a great critique group. Andrea Morrison, literary agent at writer's house. If you could choose one piece of advice or learning from your entire career that you'd like to pass on to those writers who are listening right now, what would it be? Well, I think the biggest thing to remember is as you're going through this query process, we don't have jobs without you. I know that it can be intimidating to reach out to people who have represented books that you love. And I know that it can be daunting to reach out to names that you've seen. Um, but really, we are here because we love books. Really, everybody I know at our agency and in the business is really passionate about books and about this business and being here. And so I think the most important thing to remember is that we work for you and that we don't have jobs without you and your wonderful books. And so, you know, you should really feel comfortable reaching out to those dream agents that you have on your list because um, we're looking for new work. And I think, you know, that person that you're really wanting to query, I'm sure they're out there and also looking for new projects. And, you know, even if they're not, maybe they have somebody who they really have in mind for your work. And so I think, remember that we are really dependent on the work that you're doing. Marlo Berliner associate agent at the Jennifer DiChiara Literary Agency. What is one piece of advice or learning from your career if you have to choose one thing that you'd like to pass along to those writers listening right now? Definitely read current works in the genre you're writing in. Read all you can and never stop learning your craft. Erin Numata, Senior Vice President at Folio Literary Management. What is one piece of advice if you had to choose one thing of all your learnings and time in this industry? What's one piece of advice that you'd give to those writers out there listening? Read. If you want to compete in a certain genre, read the books that are doing well in that genre to see how they work. 
so many people I know are like wanting to be a writer, but they don't read anything. And I think that's a huge mistake. You have to read to learn and to compete. Thank you so much for listening to The Writer Experience. If you enjoyed the episode today, please leave a rating, a review, and a comment on iTunes. You can also check us out on Instagram at Writer Experience and Twitter and Facebook at Writer EXP. The Writer Experience is a Samurai Dinosaur production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. Music by Kevin McLeod.